welcome to the Grounded Families podcast with me, Julia Goodall, psychologist and coach. This is a podcast for all families navigating life, love and relationships. We delve into our stories and experiences of family and how these go on to shape and change who we are. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week on the podcast, I speak with Sandeep Kaur. I've long admired Sandeep for her beautiful Instagram account, where she openly and very honestly shares about her mothering journey, her own mental health, and anti-racism work. She was absolutely wonderful to speak to. She is hilarious and smart in equal measure, and it was such a joy to chat with her. I hope you enjoy this episode. She's a human rights lawyer and mother of two from London. Welcome to the podcast this week. I'm interviewing the wonderful Sandeep Kaur. Welcome, Sandeep. Thank you for having me, Julia. <laughs> We've kind of scheduled and rescheduled this chat because of 2020. And um, yeah, I'm so, so happy that I finally get to chat with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. really, really happy to be here and also yeah. kind of shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's gone wrong. I said to most of my guests, I'm just abusing this podcast to speak to people I'd really love to chat with. <laughs> It's a real open-ended, <laughs> but there's so many things I'd love to chat with you about. And um, yeah, maybe if you could just kick off by telling us a bit about who you are and um, yeah, how you've come to be here. Um, so I am, who am I? I am a Sikh Punjabi woman in my mid-30s <laughs> and I have um, two beautiful children um, they are aged almost three and five now um, with my husband, who is Greek Cypriot. Uh, and we met via Instagram. Um, I'm not sure when we first started talking, but I'd only started my account a few years when Archie was born, actually. So almost I think three I years followed, ago. Yeah, for pretty much soon after Archie was born. Yeah. yeah. And that space was essentially carved out to talk about um, the things that are important to us as a family so and well that would include essentially just gross um mm. and how my husband and I have chosen to kind of like grow alongside our children um because I think I've found especially my 30s this like very pivotal moment of I mean it sounds really cringe but you know like self-discovery actually mm. more like a self-assuredness Okay. less trying to fit into something mm. and Instagram is this like it can be quite a problematic space but it can also be incredibly healing and mm. it's um, definitely been a space in which I've been able to express myself mm. and meet people who you know are like some of like re my really closest friends now um, mm. Um, there's actually a really brilliant um, discussion recently on, you know, it being that strong person in your friendship group. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think now. Who was it? It was Kalechi, wasn't it's it? It's Kalechi. Yeah, yeah, of course. Anything golden. Um, and making sure that you, you know, befriend or surround yourself with other strong friends. And that mm -hmm. has been essentially what I found through Instagram that kind of mm. you know deeply empathic, yeah. yeah friendship mm. group where you can really you know just lean into one another and make sure you're okay 
Um, mm. So, yeah, I think I've gone off on a huge tangent, but essentially <laughs> growth is why I carved out that space. I um, decided to take almost five years off from my career mm. um, and I was parenting fully um, full time. Not that nobody, I mean, everybody parents full time, but exclusively that role. Um after what was a really tricky time for us to have children um, and bring them into the world safely. So it was like a period of definite self, self, well, like confronting a lot of stuff. Okay. And yeah, that's, um, I feel like I've kind of come almost to, not the end of a journey because you're always developing and growing, but that part, mm. that chapter it has recently yeah. closed. I've just returned to my career, so and very recently, like just in the last few months. Yeah, yeah, really mm, recently so and really suddenly. <laughs> oh, was it really sudden? Had you not planned on I had, going back so soon? I'd certainly planned on going back. I didn't mm. think it would happen so quickly. I thought I'd be looking for the right role. I thought I'd be, uh, you know, I think if you are that kind of personality that you know, kind of, um, I don't know, looks for outside validation and has imposter syndrome all the time and seeks perfectionism, you know, like it mm. It felt like it was going to be this huge obstacle huge to task. overcome, especially yeah. because of the five-year hiatus. Oh, uh, yes, um, okay. But then on the other hand, like being a mother has really like wow like the impact it has had on I don't like a laser kind of focus <laughs> yes it's true that's amazing I think yeah. when you're in the depths of sleep deprivation it's so far removed from that you could never <laughs> I certainly <laughs> never thought that it was possible <laughs> to ever work again to never leave the trenches yeah, yeah. and I yeah. work in a really small bubble I work in a very kind of niche area of legal practice and what's what part of law do you do so I well it's mostly human rights work. Um, oh, wow. Okay. But my previous role was incredible. Before I had my eldest, Sunny, mm. was um, in military claims law. So oh specifically suing the Ministry of Defence or Gosh. like leading inquests into death. So that had occurred wow. on like ministry. Yeah. On MOD okay. premises. So it's, yeah. That's it, quite heavy work as well, I imagine. Yeah, it's not light. <laughs> <laughs> This, this, oh my goodness. this explains my obsession with um, oh. really trashy TV. I have to, okay. I, I don't just disengage. It, I do not find them mutually exclusive. I think it's like <laughs> part of my, you know, whatever, like therapy or. <laughs> just checking out. I'm actually, I've gone back to Grey's Anatomy. That's how bad this year has been is that I haven't watched that since we left South Africa. Because at first on? we couldn't get it here. I think it's just gone on and on. I think there's like 18, oh 18 God. seasons. People have really aged. But um, <laughs> I've gone back to that. So yeah, I relate. That kind of, I you don't have to think, you know, what's going to happen. Everything's okay. I don't, well, okay. I find Grey's Anatomy <laughs> deeply traumatic. <laughs> You don't even, like, this is nothing. I'm talking married to medicine. I'm talking Real Housewives <laughs> franchises. My husband, who used to look at me with judgment, is now really into he's Real on the Housewives couch too. of Atlanta. <laughs> like, you'll see he's meant to be working and he's like, you know, I Just having a peek. <laughs> well, my husband as well. We started watching Shit's Creek, which I just, I couldn't get into. And it really bothers me when people 
it felt it felt like everyone was watching it and there was something missing in me because I just didn't get it. And anyway, we went back and tried again because lockdown and um and he was so devastated at the end. He just said, Oh, I can't I can't watch shows like this. It's like you just get to know these people. Then it's the end. I'm like, oh my such god. A softie. You got <laughs> such so a softie. invested. That's lovely. <laughs> oh. Okay, sorry, derailing. Okay, so you do human rights law. Yeah. And now that you've gone back, what sort of area are you in now? So the role I'm in now is um totally different. It's healthcare regulatory. Um okay. so I got a role as on like a temporary contract because I just wanted to see okay what, what it would like? be like um Fair. and I've always when I was pregnant because I left my job um when I was pregnant with Sunny after we'd had two miscarriages um because the nature of my work I just felt like it was the least healthy space for me to be occupying at like the most pivotal mm. point in my life mm. um it's litigation is very you know it's a very dynamic fast-paced environment um you know I found I was like on the tube lugging Mm. huge bags of folders and papers to like an inquest across in like Oxford and I remember thinking I'm just petrified I'm pulling Mm. this luggage behind me and I'm yanking it upstairs and downstairs I've already lost three babies and this isn't going to be a force. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, it wasn't the most supportive environment. It wasn't the healthiest environment for me. And, um, yeah, so I made the decision to leave and Mm, yeah, don't, I mean, I didn't make that decision on my own. I was receiving counseling at that point after our second miscarriage, um, Mm. And, you know, all power to brilliant counsellors who can, therapists, sorry, who can, you know, just help you check check yourself and mm. kind of sift through what your priorities are. It was the best decision I have ever made. The scariest mm-hmm. decision. Having, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Stopping work. Yeah. And really also, you know, because it's born of a, from my family history in my childhood it's born from this lesson this learning of um education being the most important thing okay so my dad is you know he was a first uh, first generation immigrant came from the Punjab Mm. aged 18 and he married my mum when she was 17 it was an arranged marriage but they met here so they briefly met. <laughs> they, okay, they didn't gosh. even know each other. Yeah. Um, wow. So they had an arranged marriage, and my dad came here essentially to 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 be educated to mm. become a doctor. And okay. Um, now I'm I'm aware of like the baggage that he was carrying. Okay. You know, coming to this country, his family, the first in his family, you know, to take oh that goodness. step. And still basically a child. Both of them, yeah. Um, mm. It recently dawned on me, I was having a conversation with my mum and I was like, you've lived two, two lifetimes, three. Mm. Like you had your childhood up to the age of 17 and then you were married for 20 years and then you've mm. had this like life after as well. Are your parents divorced? Yeah. So they, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, so they, they had basically been told, you know, education is the answer to you 
mm-hmm. climbing out of your any of those kind of boxed in um mm-hmm. constructs of like class and race and specifically you know it's really important for you to have a professional career which nobody can take away from you it's like seen to be the most stable Mm. and safe place to to fit in um so my dad definitely raised us to me and my brother to think that medicine is the answer (laughs) you know um and I deeply disappointed (laughs) from that perspective (laughs) what a disappointment being a lawyer but I mean this is the thing right because I thought I I wanted to do art I was like Mm. always very creative at my happiest drawing and painting and my mum you know really did support that um Mm. and was able to support it more freely and openly after they had divorced um but it just goes to show how much your conditioning impacts on you because I would get closer to making these big decisions, you know, when you're making your like GCSE selection, your A-level, and you can tell like when I chose my A-levels, how conflicted I was. Like I chose Mm. art, philosophy, chemistry and biology. Like I always kept them there as an option. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, yeah, my way of, I just knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I I wasn't, Mm. you know, I don't have... I actually don't have a brilliant memory. Like, <laughs> I know for law, you knew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, but well, okay. Actually, let's be fair. I memorize words and ideas and principles far better okay. than I would, you know. Yeah, doses of medication. Yeah. And, and then, okay. For me, yeah, it's too, it's too kind of, what word am I thinking of? It's too abstract. It's like these mm. numbers and measure. I just couldn't, yeah. it didn't It doesn't link with... to anything. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't, I've never have done medicine either. Absolutely. And like, you know, how long can you lead your life trying to please yeah. somebody else or trying to fit mm. within a mold that was set for them? Mm. Um, you get to a point, some, some characters do anyway, where you just say, actually if I do this now I'm going to be doing it for the rest of my life and I guess that has like kind of defined every big decision I've made in my life I've definitely kind of fit within um I've definitely been limited in some respects by how I've been raised but I've um all kind of respected it or worked within it do you see what I mean Mm, but I've also really been the first in my generation of, in our family to really step out <laughs> okay, as well. And rebel from there. Yeah. So interesting. So even when you stopped working, like that came back for you, that sense of this, I shouldn't be doing this. Absolutely. Or this is like the wrong thing to do. Absolutely. So even though your mind knows differently, your body, you're so kind of um, conditioned, yeah, into a particular way of, of living and being. Yeah. Because it's mm. all I'd ever seen and it was all I'd ever known. So I, mm. I, you know, we had, we were raised with financial privilege as a consequence of my parents. You know, they came to this. Mm. So when they first got married, they like lived with family, like a lot of, uh, you know, immigrant families do. Yeah. Um, they moved in with like a family that my dad, my, so related to my dad, 
who had settled in London and they worked, they like lived in a room there. My mum worked three jobs Gosh. to support my dad oh my <clears throat> while he was while studying. He studied. Yeah, exactly. Oh and obviously okay. that's a long time. Because, that's why she, yeah. she was really young, but they didn't have kids until until he'd got to the end stage of his qualification. So it was all kind of guided Gosh. around making sure that he fulfilled mm. what he needed to do. Mm. Um yeah, so we had like, and I was, my mum really fought hard for me to have a private school education like my brother. Yeah. Because initially it wasn't, it wasn't going to work out that way. I was. So, oh, so it would have just been for your brother. Yeah. Not for you. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I was a girl, the traditional, you know, mm-hmm. kind of trajectory for me was to also have an arranged marriage and yeah. lead my life in a in a different way mm. it wasn't necessarily a good investment <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I saw it I'm not gonna be around oh my the bush gosh. here yeah yeah <laughs> but you know wow. that's I guess you know my mum was that's like a... the first step of um starting to work within a system but break breakthrough like she certainly mm. was that person to to wow. really fight for me to have access to the things that she really never did, never did yeah. and deeply deeply you know longed for Oof. in fact she used to have law books she had law books oh, no. um yeah, on her shelf so hard and I was thinking about that recently because I I applied for a scholarship when I started law because I knew I wasn't going to have my dad's support this sounds crazy I know well, but it because yeah. it wasn't quite what he wanted me to do it didn't I didn't mm. have like that support. kind of comfort exactly yeah and actually in my application I wrote about about that like how I was oh, almost wow. fulfilling something that um I was deeply deeply invested in I've always been really intuitively guided by those tenets of like social justice fairness equality mm. since I was small you know, oh. like you would see things on a small level as a kid and know in it, like if something was wrong, if something was mm. good. And we, you know, the Gudwara for me was always a model of that. Um, mm. And our family weren't particularly religious. Okay. But there were like, there are these physical symbols of those tenets that you can't ignore. And that as mm. such, they have been the blue like essentially the blueprint of how I've raised my kids and how I've you know guided myself Mm. um things like you know you're sitting on the same level everybody is sitting on the same level you're eating the same food everybody's welcome to eat that food there are pictures of the Sikh gurus like Sikhism isn't a gentle I'd say you know like the history is not gentle it's not peaceful it's you know you fight for justice you fight you defend yourselves you wear Mm. your identity proudly and boldly you know like you Mm. wear your bug you wear your 5ks it's it's got so much gumption right it's this really incredible in for me it was this incredible um example of what it is to live and what makes your life purposeful and makes makes your time on this earth you know a value that's how I saw Mm. it as a kid um and that's tied in with my work so especially because I got to this place where I'd found this job that I was really vested in and committed to and then leaving it 
also made mm. me feel kind of purposeless, right? Because mm. it was so tied in with work and education, like it was for my dad, this very freeing thing yeah. for him to leave where he had been raised and start as he got older to to find his own life. And likewise for my mum. My mum got... So she ended up... She, I mean, the way that her career has grown through sheer determination is incredible like Mm -hmm. and then after my parents were divorced she got a master's degree oh my goodness yeah that's incredible so I went to her graduation I don't think I've ever been so proud so proud and that wasn't even that long ago then because they were married for that long they were married no but they because she was only 17 I suppose I suppose I was like 11 and then she got her master's degree in my first year of uni I think okay yeah. So you were 11 when they divorced? When they divorced, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, and she, gosh. I mean, at that point, her career, she'd been working within the NHS for years and years. And my okay. career was always kind of a little bit linked with what my parents did. You know, I always kept mm. that medical element. I did a lot of clinical negligence work in my okay. training. <clears throat> and then I did like, you know, my civil liberties and human rights work. Some of it was connected and some of it was okay. separate, like actions against the police gosh. and stuff. But even mm. within the, the Ministry of Defence work I was doing, it was there was still a lot of clean neck claims, you know, like mm. or that understanding of where, you know, an injury had been sustained, looking yeah. at the medical aspect. I always kept this just drawn to that link. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by how we also process our own lives in our careers. Um, and sometimes consciously and sometimes I think very unconsciously that's just way back you know in the back of our minds that something's being neatened up and put away and filed away Um, and I'm really kind of fascinated about how that seems to happen again and again and again Um, yeah I don't know yeah I actually started in um, I had one of you know before because I was doing an area of law that isn't well funded Okay. It wasn't like a corporate, you know, with corporate, uh, with a corporate legal career, you can be sponsored to do your, if you're doing a law conversion course and if you're doing oh, I see. Okay. your legal practice course or your, you know, trainings become actually a barrister, you don't get the same um, funding. But because of that, I made sure that I worked as a paralegal. So my first role, just to get as much experience as possible oh, and to have a little okay. bit of money before I started each course oh and gosh. um all this extra legwork yeah they're going um, to it. yeah essentially that's why it's kind of saturated mostly with very privileged white middle yeah. class white people men. because yeah. they can afford to do that area of work my husband yeah. was going to be a social um well a legal aid housing sol- uh, barrister but it just okay. wasn't a financial it wasn't financially viable because it's so poorly paid so oh it's um, yeah, yeah. It's it's really, but I, part of my paralegal role, the first one I did was family law, and I just knew actually yeah. that was too much. Oof, it was I don't too think I could closely ever do something connected. like that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. To experiences at home. It was to my yeah to parts of my childhood, and I just okay. thought this is not actually. Um, it's just it's so close to home some of the cases that I'm I can't be there fully I can't yeah. engage it's in not a fully. healthy yeah yeah for you or for the people you're working with I guess absolutely and some people yeah. are, are capable of that but I certainly I was glad I tried 
Um, mm. But it, I think that the area of law that I work in is certainly closely tied to my understanding of Sikhi. Because I wouldn't say I'm, I am, well, I'm not a baptized Sikh. I haven't, okay. you know, if you're going to be baptized. I didn't know you were baptized. Okay. No, I'm not baptized. Was, no, but I'm saying I didn't know that that was part of the tradition. I didn't know that. Oh, no, yeah. So baptism, okay. The baptism is called Amrit. You take okay. so if you were to be um baptized Sikh you would be I would be wearing the five Ks I'd be visibly Sikh okay I'd okay. be praying you know it's, no, I didn't know that. this is what like actually it really informed mine and my husband's decision of how we were gonna raise the kids because okay. within his culture everybody they have their christenings in in his yes. family anyway so yeah. he was christened his brothers um his nephew was recently christened and but he's not christ he doesn't go to the church and mm. for me it was like whoa like this is huge like you know we have to listen to the words that this priest is saying and if because he was like oh when we have kids we're going to have them christened i was like are we like we are not you know as far my understanding of baptism is so different to yours mm. um and then when he was yeah we i mean we, this is we had this conversation when we were really young <laughs> <laughs> and then the next christening we went to he was like oh yeah no no I can't. <laughs> it's not happening <laughs> well unless i'm going to be a model of it and i'm going to live it then yeah why then am what's i the point yeah yeah um so that's okay. kind of like the sikh, the sikh version of baptism is so okay it's so interesting I yeah yeah okay we had um friends in durban so near to where i grew up and there's a um there's a greek community and then she was greek cypriot so oh my husband's greek cypriot yeah okay yeah mm. but obviously and there was kind of oh, sort of gentle rivalry between um between them but also so much in common yeah um and re- like religion wise is it right that that there's links to catholicism in that it well greek orthodoxy is yeah like most led. orthodox yeah orthodox factions of christianity i think are, okay are led linked yeah i don't know okay. i don't know i did do anyway. a religion and philosophy degree but <laughs> me too i did philosophy but <laughs> don't remember that <laughs> oh, it's dear. complex there's a complex history there yes well exactly yeah we're off the hook yeah um so can i just ask you i'm so interested in then your lead into mothering and education from the way that you were brought up around education and what it meant and um yeah what it symbolized so what does that mean now for your girls so i was thinking about this because we obviously had a brief chat about what we were going to talk about and mm-hmm. um immediately i just thought god actually you know i i don't know about you but when i had when i was pregnant with sunny i was deeply anxious because of our previous experiences and both my girls yeah. um they stopped growing so they had it's called intrauterine growth restriction Oh, gosh. So within like the final semester, they stop growing and it's basically. In the f- oh, gosh. Yeah. In the final semester, so really late. Yes. So, okay. and at first with Sunny, it was a total shock. Um, <sighs> you know, when you're pulled into that small room and they're telling you things aren't mm. looking great. But I knew, I knew that my bump was small and that, mm. you know, she didn't really move a lot because she just didn't have, she was so tiny. <laughs> mm. Um 
but essentially it meant that um yeah you're kind of racing against the clock and you need to get them out as soon as possible but as close to 37 okay. weeks as possible so that oh, their gosh. lungs are mature yeah. so it becomes Ugh. this yeah awful experience towards the end but i part of that defi- kind of explains why i never read a parenting handbook a parenting guide or anything like that but actually a huge part of it was i think it's the one area of my life that I haven't um, I haven't kind of stepped into with this academic mindset that I've stepped into everything else. It was oh, like... Wow, so interesting. I just wanted to do something without studying it. I wanted okay. to do something that I was led fully... Just intuitively. Intuitively. Like, oh, I love that. And 110%. Yeah. And um, I think it was also without this kind of potential access to a coveted but totally impossible perfection Mm. because you know like you can you and I have both done philosophy degrees you know you could read and read and read and read and read and often I did like I would not know when to stop yeah I wanted to also make it clear that I knew in my you know and also because I'd done a philosophy degree that was outside of anything anyone in my family had done I had so much to prove like I needed mm. to get that first to make it worthy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'd always gone into things with that kind of energy. And this was the first mm. time that I stepped outside of that space. And it's liberating, but also terrifying. Absolutely. So <laughs> untethered, like totally yeah. untethered. And that's why I guess that's when counseling really became like therapy really became a, mm. um, a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we were super fortunate. And again, this is like where my husband benefits from his privilege because he, when I left my job and I said, and we both said like this enough is enough. Like we need to prioritize your body and this baby's body and, mm-hmm. you know, also your mental health as you're going through this again. Um, he was able to like step into his boss's office and get a raise so that we could live, wow. you know, yeah. like, and that's amazing. That was accessible mm. to him in a way that it wouldn't have been to you or I, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but I, th- so that has really defined how I've raised my children. And it's been an odd journey because that led me to breastfeeding. Like I only recently stopped with Archie and um, I'd never seen that. I'd never, Mm. seen it modeled um I didn't know what it was going to entail um Gosh. especially because so Sunny was four pounds and Archie was five and Sunny especially was like she was born and her cheeks were not full oh no she was visibly so, not so scary exactly and mm. I obviously that was where I put all of that energy you know all of that energy into wanting to um be perfect at something without mm. reading intuitively I was still right you must Doing feed it. this baby all the time well intuitively mm. I knew I wanted to feed her with breast milk and I didn't want to kind of because with IUDR especially in the states there's this kind of pressure for you to um bulk them up quickly so like you know you can okay. use supplementary feeds or you can use like a, a heavier calorie milk mm. um oh, it's like a fortified okay milk and but I didn't want to do that. I'd done loads of research and I knew that for me, I wanted her to build up her strength naturally and at her pace. And I wanted to be led by her, you mm. know, and she came out and I swear to God, like the doctors were just like, what is this child? <laughs> she is tiny, but 
fucking ferocious. She was like, (laughs) she had like, you know, she had to have that jaundice cover on top of her with her tiny, tiny, skinny legs. She kicked it off and she, her scream would send you (laughs) into like another fucking dimension <laughs> she was like <laughs> so powerful so I powerful love that though. she's just so wanting wanting to live i mean so yeah feisty. she was hungry she was hungry to live she was hungry for mm. boob i tell you like <laughs> so that was like that formed part of it and then as she got stronger and i was like wow you know and archie we thought she was growing fine mm. she her growth restriction really did take us back it's something that we kind of thought would happen we'd been told Mm -hmm. that there was more of a possibility having had one iugr pregnancy um but then when it did happen it really was like what the fuck like she had been Mm. she had been on like the 50th centile the whole time and then dropped down to like the first oh my gosh um so when she but then that being said my milk was i'd only just stopped sunny was just below two so i'd only just stopped feeding her and Uh, so everything was kind of flowing better the anxiety wasn't there as much because Mm, my milk was flowing better like it okay that's interesting yeah and you can just keep going as opposed to waiting for something to start yeah and putting being so because like it's the worst thing isn't it when you have anxiety for somebody to say don't be anxious because that'll make it worse (laughs) thank you yeah i wish i'd thought of that (laughs) oh my goodness it's you know so it was this first time where i had we'd done it before we knew what we needed to do i felt more um confident in not like pumping all the time because their tongues Mm. are tiny like i was being told to give them a bottle of breast milk after a feed just to kind of supplement it and oh, I see. Okay. Archie would you know throw it up because her tummy mm. was too tiny so yeah. it was as soon as those those phases were over where mm. it was just kind of you know the first year especially was really hard especially with Sunny and for every new parent I guess for your Oof. first kid um yeah but after that, it just led me to this intuition, this like intuitive, not reading up on anything to, mm. you know, that create creative side of me that hadn't been dealt with at all since I decided to do a philosophy degree and then law, mm. um, going to art galleries, taking them around that, oh, exposing them that. to, yeah, and, and oh. facing, confronting a lot of my... Um, the fears that I had built up about whether or not I was enough for them, you know, in mm. terms of, you know, we struggled with having any support with Sunny in the first year. It was the opposite to what we kind of expected. And what I do had, you mean? A, in terms of having, you know, familial oh, okay. support, like people bringing, you know, just those small oh, and they acts just didn't that do it. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, so it was, uh, I think, uh, you know, Sunny, because she was visibly tiny, I think it mm. scared. It scared some people. Gosh. Um, Wouldn't, okay. And our, how how we were feeling about it wasn't put first, you know? Mm. It was a case of sitting in, us kind of accommodating other people's discomfort, which wasn't... Oh my gosh, okay. And I, I'm, I don't live close to my family, and so, we, you know, there was that geographical issue too. Okay. Um, and also, some, to a degree, it's something that you kind of have to do yourself, and I'm... I'm, I'm kind of grateful for it but I held a lot of resentment 
mm, around not feeling it. like you really needed your family at that time we just needed some support um don't get me wrong like I had some brilliant friends like one one mm. of my closest friends now like she lived nearby and I remember she bought brought us a lasagna that like fed us for about a week <laughs> It's just like those are the things that make me weep. That you oh you just God. remember those I things. Can, I can taste it. I can taste <laughs> it to this day. <laughs> like magic beat. I remember someone dropped off a lemon cake and I have never eaten lemon cake like that. Again, I feel like I'm in this quest for the same, but I think it's just because you've had a baby and you are so starved for that kind of nurturing and from other people and You don't you know, know what delicious you need food. then, do you? You do well, like exactly. when you're new to it and especially when mm. you've not picked up a bloody book. Like or and we were the first in our friendship group to have kids and mm, us too. That's hard. Yeah. And I was yeah. I'm not close I'm estranged from my brother, so I I know I love my nephews and my niece. Mm-hmm. with all every part of me but I don't have that proximity so yeah. it's not something that I'd seen and mm. I just did felt so ill-equipped we just were totally lost and my like postnatal anxiety was through the roof so that's you know the counseling that I'd had when I was pregnant with Sunny helped me with that that period of time and then actually okay. we were in a London borough that had um a brilliant a a breastfeeding clinic a free breastfeeding clinic okay. so I would go in with Sunny and not feel so self-conscious because mm. I'm like a big big breasted woman with the tiniest baby you know and it even I felt just embarrassed and people would look in her in the buggy and say oh I didn't know you had a baby in there I was, I was you know like when people say the most bullshit things yeah and you just think thank you yeah <laughs> a you're bizarre as if i'm fucking yeah. walking around with a, an empty buggy <laughs> yeah. with a you know some kind of screaming simulation going on in there but b why did you think i needed to hear those words like just go away just go yeah. it's just <laughs> yeah, i have no words for you walk on like it was just <clears throat> I was so oh, self-conscious, so, so anxious, but mm. they, so as well as the breastfeeding clinic in this borough, they also had this PIPs kind of counselling service that would take you through your first okay. year with your child, like maybe okay, up well, to your second year, actually. Amazing. It was incredible. But just to kind of build up your um, confidence, I was just so afraid that she wasn't going to get big. <laughs> I genuinely mm. had, would have nightmares about Benjamin Button <laughs> because I was like, oh, no. <laughs> she's not going to grow. Oh I didn't think it's I was. It's so scary. It's... And also because you are, that feeling of first becoming a mother and feeling like you and your boobs are the thing that's supposed to keep this child alive. And that I felt I found that really overwhelming. It's like nobody else can help. They can look in and make you tea, but it's your boobs at the end and of the day. And that was it, right? Nobody was making Oof. us a bloody cup of tea. <laughs> it was just so... <laughs> You're just on your own. It was oh, this time so of awful. like deep confrontation of actually also, I'm, no, I'm an adult now. I am a mother. Yes. And yes. I need to stop waiting for somebody to mother me. And I need oh, to... No do do this for my children like my Mm. yes I'm confronting a lot of those things but as I'm doing it you're also mothering and this is how Mm. you're going to do it and I was definitely led by the girls like they're such different characters but my first you know Sunny's got is this formidable force but she's a quiet force and she's Mm. just got this depth to her and uh, like great you know, I was having great chat with her, like some of the best chat I've ever had than with any other adult. <laughs> and then Archie is this oh loud, God. you know, <laughs> brash, confident, Larry, 
pretty scary sometimes. I think Fourth. we have the same children. Yeah. One is <laughs> Imogen. Just, I think that's also what really connected me to you and seeing um, Archie is that it's a, it sounds like a dramatic thing to say, but Archie and watching you and the way you connect with her and let her express herself um, has helped me to love Imogen more because it's like those children that are so wonderful to watch. Yeah. If they're not your children. Oh my God, everybody loves her, right? They're like, <laughs> yeah. she's so funny. I'm like, yes. God, help me. You can have her at 3.30 in the morning when she's saying. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I've loved that about Archie. And then we, our older child son, also just feels like that quiet depth uh, that Sunny has. Mm. And yeah, it's so wonderful to see, do you know, that spirit in children and seeing her in the garden, doing her thing, focused and, you know, in the zone. I mean, and this is it, right? So art galleries, all those things fed something within mm. me, but they, those children are most at home in the woods. They mm. like, and that time that we spent and we do still do spend outside, it grounds all of us. It's such a, yeah. an important part of our daily life and mm. our um, recovery and healing of yeah. not just like the world we're living in right now, but any kind of intergenerational trauma or things mm. that you carry from your past. For me and my husband, it's been so crucial and mm. um I, I like that's something that um I've wanted to ensure really informs the way that we educate our kids so mm. I you know I found that when especially when Sunny became school age it felt like this very peculiar space that we were occupying because I felt like we because I'd taken this time out with them we were occupying this space between two worlds like the ideal mm. where yeah. if you had full control over everything that you want for your children and that you know would make them happy and that you know in terms of their well-being their mental health their mm. growth their understanding of people of nature all those things and then occupying also this like the one the, the world that we're in and that is defined mm. largely by our mortgage by our careers yeah and you yeah. know our careers both for both of us are firmly fixed within the system I'm part of a huge legal system and yeah, my role is to challenge it and to, well, to challenge, you know, decisions that are made by our government. But mm. my husband moved his career into the financial sector. So he's really part of the system. And yeah. so when it got to the decision making of how we were going to educate the kids, I, you know, I really for a long time thought about homeschooling as mm. an option. And it, it just, it just, it, it didn't become a viable option for us. It became more of... It, it, I think being able to homeschool, especially if you live in London, it carries a lot of privilege in that you, you know, you have that freedom. I would have to continue to not work. Mm. I would put yeah. a lot of financial burden on my husband after we'd moved into this house and we knew mm. that we had to like really get everything in order pretty soon. But also I am... I am conditioned by how I was raised and a lot of that is rooted in an education system and community and I mm. felt like if I was creating a really safe bubble yes that may benefit all of us really well but it just wasn't going to work for our family because look mm. at the nature of my work right we're not about um, you know keeping things quite small it's about mm. really challenging the big like the big the stuff systems. yeah 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 um 
Oh gosh, I relate so much because we had a very similar thing is that with Harrison, I felt like I, partly it was an age thing and partly an anxiety about letting them go so young. So in South Africa, we go to school like kind of six or seven. And so for me, and he was a year older, so he his birthday's in September. So he got the full extra year and still he just felt too little. And I just thought, oh, so a lot of it was, I think my own stuff, but it was the same sort of feeling is that I wanted them to do forest school and have like a rich childhood of not just being still and sitting down and reward charts oh and just, god ugh, reward charts stuff that punishment just, like, it's... I, just, I can't bear it no so it was all that stuff and I thought I can't protect them from those things um when they're in that Do you know what I mean so I think a lot of it was letting go but eventually also it wasn't it just wasn't right for us because we also felt like that is our community because we are new here. We don't have like a strong community and we can't actually do this on our own. This wouldn't be a healthy thing for us to do. So yeah, school has actually been good for us in that sense. Yeah. And there are these communities, right? Like I, I looked into mm-hmm. it a lot and there are these, like, un- it wasn't necessarily even homeschooling. I was looking at, I was looking at unschooling and yeah. there, it was just, it's so far removed from the reality that my husband and I grew up in and it mm. wasn't something that was fostered within us mm. and we it would essentially mean us uprooting ourselves fully from everything that we know to you know scary and it was just mm. it just didn't feel like it was going to impact on anyone other than us and it felt mm. too big a move for us to make for it to have such a limited impact if you see what I mean Mm, and I know we are each other's priority but um yeah I think as soon as as soon as Sunny's a very sociable character as well and I just didn't want her to be Mm. I I just knew it would suit their personalities to be within a school setting but it's about how you work within that like you all the things that you Mm. were saying are totally right I think like Sunny's still four and she's almost Mm. done her first year like it's Far too young, I think. Mm, um, yeah. So we fought to ensure that she's flexi school. So she has four days within a oh, mainstream wow. school and then one day forest school. Oh, gosh, I thought that was a temporary thing. I knew you'd done that. I thought it was a kind of a transition thing. So you've actually been able to do that. Yeah, so she's been doing that oh. for the full... Oh, my gosh, yeah, that's academic incredible. Yeah, but it may... I mean, I think only because she's four. I think, if, okay. I think the school may make... Um, well may challenge us on it when she turns five because then it becomes like a legal requirement for her to be within school school but it is another educational setting so it's you Mm. know and and, but you know I've definitely been led by her when we spoke about forest school we spoke about would you like to play play in the woods for a day Mm. and meet some other children and like how how do you see it and especially because of covid and stop start stop start Mm. especially uh, this last lockdown i gave her that I said to her look let's let's talk about it for like the next week and really think about whether or not you want to return um and it's something she's always gone back to and why wouldn't you and for us because Mm -hmm. you know she she's like the the lack of diversity and inclusion in those spaces is so shocking Mm -hmm. and for her to occupy that space is incredibly important Mm -hmm. to us and I'm working with her forest school to engage children who actually will hugely benefit from being in these spaces in London right because it's so limited can you say a bit more about that because that sounds really really exciting and I love that you're actually doing something not just saying oh this is terrible and then 
you know, continuing. Well, that was part of the reason why we decided to put them into mainstream schools because, um, and the forest school, because there's no point in us putting our children in there and complaining about everything that pisses us off about the system, right, without trying to do something about it. So as soon as, like, in her mainstream school, we saw that there were white dolls, only white dolls, like six white dolls, Mm. you know, we're engaging the it's these small steps for us it's the bare minimum of like engaging the class starting a whatsapp group does anybody Mm. else want to contribute let's get some books for christmas instead of it being you know i don't Mm. know a coaster for your teacher like how could we you know (laughs) turfed away yeah yeah that's wonderful like really sort of generative responses but the but the best thing about it has been i have been really kind of possibly lucky in that there have been some key people within both schools that have been very proactive and open to it and it may be a bit slow and there may be a bit of pushback but on the Mm -hmm. whole it's been um a really it's been a good kind of experience of there being dialogue and knowing Mm -hmm. that you are being heard like with her mainstream school I was on the phone to her librarian (laughs) who really just wanted to understand like oh we've had all these new books where do they go like how because everything is so rooted in victorian britain nothing has been Mm. changed so even like the library system this was all new to me Mm. is ordered in a way that it doesn't fit like certain things just don't fit anymore like it all has to be it all has to be changed so in terms of like would you have a diversity and inclusion section of the library? You know, my my answer was, I don't think so. Mm, I think you should no. have, if it's a fiction Ooh, book. But cringy, Exactly, yeah. you put that book in with the fiction. <clears throat> like it's, yes. you know. It's, so that's what she was asking you. What do we literally do with these books? Yeah, because they're so, okay. librarians especially, are so kind of limited to how things are categorized. And, you know, okay. it didn't, Gosh, it, it was a helpful discussion for her to have to, mm to confront also it meant that she was confronting a lot and they're doing a lot of unconscious bias training within the school but her forest school were very very um well they've been brilliant they've said essentially you're absolutely right we we occupy this beautiful part of north london that um the children that go there now including my children we we occupy that space anyway at the weekend you know Mm. we they they get that experience but yeah. and it benefits them in a way that is just incredible it's like it and it can't be matched elsewhere and mm. actually who is that space for if you have a private nursery like that because mm. we were close to pulling her out if if they weren't receptive to it if they were going to come back and say look we're a private nursery and this is how we work and we're not mm. listening we don't think we need to change then I would have pulled her out but they were like you're absolutely right we're going to apply for charitable status and it had been something that they'd been thinking about for a while um Mm. and now yeah so I've been invited to join their board where we can start getting kids from more inner city because we're quite close to these spaces anyway and okay. arrange you know access even transportation to these spaces okay. and that's this, amazing this type of education yeah so what how would it look like kids from more inner city london yeah being sort of bussed out yeah for a day or well yeah hopefully to um if okay. it works within the school system it might be for sections of a day you know okay. like it might be like a lot of the london schools now do have some kind of forest school provision 
built mm. into the like curriculum it, yeah. now. Things are changing. It's actually, it's a daunting time to be raising kids, but it's also mm. a very... Exciting. Yeah, it's, mm. it feels like there's some momentum. It feels like there's, you know, and it's a time for us to really harness that energy and do something with it. Yeah. I, you know... When because I do get people saying to me, "Oh, thank you, you're doing what you're doing is brilliant." And for me, honestly, it's bare minimum. It's the bare mm. minimum. I think if every parent kind of focused that their energy in that kind of direction, things would move a lot faster. You know? Yeah. Well, that's one sort of thing that I wondered about with you is that, as a brown woman, what does that mean for you? Doing there's this tension between okay, so now you're doing a whole lot of extra labour, and yes it's for your kids but it also feels like this should be shared this labor should be shared this should be passed up that might you are dropping the mic julia (laughs) Uh, so i wonder about that around the kind of tension for you around how much extra labor is involved in this you know what it's like how it's where you choose to expend your energy so for, for me it's um i occupy a lot of privileged spaces too you know okay. I I'm a light-skinned brown woman and um in many spaces I can do more harm than good do you know what I mean so I I my career is is definitely a channel for my like energy to okay. improve things and I'm used to that kind of work I'm used mm. to push back I'm used to working okay 20 times harder to you know get the roles that I I believe in like I said I work in a very small space I you know it's it's quite it it can it can feel quite exclusive you know there's not many law firms that do the kind of work that I do and you know I have I had to get first I had to get scholarships I had to Mm. so I'm used to 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 expending a lot of energy in something that I believe in and I feel that as a brown woman because of the privilege that I have I'd rather me be on those boards than somebody that Mm. is in a more marginalized group, you know, and that Mm. feels it more. I do get very frustrated. Uh, I can find, have you read, have you listened to the podcast, Nice White Parents? Yeah. 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 So good. But my, my, like the accuracy and we occupy Mm. a very white middle-class area. And for instance, just, you can pinpoint it to parents' reactions to kids returning to school after a lockdown and what their first primary concern is right they will we've got a whatsapp group and i'm a class rep and you know i think i am that i'm always that person that nobody (laughs) you know i'm too honest i'm too i say the opposite to what everybody else is saying not to piss people off but i just you know just can't not yeah i love that well you know i don't do it intentionally Mm. it's just i can't pretend and, you know, there was a lot of questioning about how, had the school like thought about how they're going to catch kids up with reading? These are four and five year olds. We have been really fortunate for our kids to have to, you know, to be this age when mm, we're going yeah. through something like this. Because like yeah. you, you were saying, for me, it's too young for them to be attaining anything academically at this stage. Exactly. I, you know, I had the times table shoved down my neck that did not make mm. me feel good. That made me feel mm. less than and anxious and scared of learning. Yeah. Um, but like I then responded with a, a post by a mammologist, actually, who was brilliant, who so had put well um, 
this really brilliant post up about um, ensuring that we're checking in with kids' well-being when they return to school and acknowledging mm. the fact that these kids are coming from a myriad of backgrounds, you know, and what have they been dealing with at home? And that is what mm. the teachers are dealing with primarily. Exactly. So it gets into to places where the picture is bigger. And for me, it's so obvious. And then you've got mm. parents who may like you know say we're you know we're really liberal we're really you know we're going to post that black square we're going to you know but Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it it would be great if somebody else had thought oh you know what the the books here are just not okay Mm -hmm. let's support because the teacher's really really proactive and is buying his own books to bring into class like let's do something about that let's also take it beyond this classroom and to all of those reception children and ensure that they're seen you know like like you say just yeah yeah, could someone else have thought of this um does this have to be you yeah I mean it's great when you are on the um it's great and it's not when you because I've been I've been invited to one of the main meetings at her my daughter's mainstream school and you're in you're in a room with people that kind of you're there for the same purpose but it's so interesting to see how people really feel about it is it a tick box exercise Mm. because of what was happening last year and it's Mm. but thankfully the people that are in the real positions of influence and change like the deputy head are doing that work personally which gives me so much more faith and these are white this is a white woman and like my daughter's teacher is a white male and they are I know that they're doing the work I know that they're engaging in the courses Mm. that I've sent them like in okay so if 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 there wasn't that kind of reception I think I'd feel it more um Mm. but no I I don't feel it can be frustrating but I don't feel resentment um, the, the courses, courses that you sent through, through is that, that um, um, could you actually let people know so that well, that's a useful thing? Yeah, with like there's the um, the black nursery manager Liz does like yeah. incredible courses that are like really so accessible. She's so generous with her time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually both Forest School and the mainstream school staff. Some of them have attended that. Um, okay. But I've also just kind of alerted them to podcasts that I listen to that have assisted. Oh, okay. So like Nice White Parents, but also Nova Reads podcasts um, and the work I sent them. I also sent them all um, Yasmin's, you know, uh, Yazzie's Stamp of oh, Humanities yes. Taste yeah, yeah. poem as oh, okay. and like that because there's different there's, you know, like people are mm. expressing truth in such Mm. so many beautiful numerous ways it doesn't need Mm. to be oh have you read this book and you know Mm. like it can be in another way just to get that fire that spark of Mm. oh shit yeah I need to do something with this and it it doesn't just look one particular way like you say it's not just yeah one version it's like learning this growth that we're doing alongside our kids we every time I speak to a school or a friend you know I I am not an expert in anything I am other than like hopefully the area of law that I practice I am not um I make mistakes all the time this is not an area where Mm. you can get it right like you know all the time we make mistakes your Mm. ego will you know undoubtedly stand in your way at certain points Mm. um you know the conversations that you have are going to be uncomfortable 
and let's have them let's sit in that discomfort together Mm. um but I'm certainly not going to be afraid I'm not going to be put off by that and I'm not going to be afraid to improve things the the defining story of my um and that has actually really informed how I parent is of Princess Sophia de Leipzig. Do you know that story? The, I don't. So I read her, it's a biography of her, uh, by Anita Anand, when I, I was do. pregnant with Sunny. And I was so close to calling her Sophia, actually, based on this book. Because if yeah. ever there were a book to retell, like, the British Indian experience, it's this book. Oh, well, I'll um, just look it up. But, and it's like your, you know... Indian like the Indian kind of um the culture and it's the way that it was manipulated and used by the British was so cunning it's like we have been presented to this country as oh you're the you know you're hard work you're the good immigrant like Nikesh Shukli you know yeah, yeah. yeah hard working got really beautiful clothes like great jewels let's stick that in our crown like you know all those different things mm. and um the way that they approached, so her father was Maharaja Dilip Singh and he was the last Maharaja of the Sikh kingdom. He was five years old when his father was killed. So he ruled the kingdom with his mother and the British, so Queen Victoria, kind of, yeah. they came, they basically saw that as an opening, as an opportunity and they kidnapped him from his mother. There's no mm. other way of telling that story. Mm. Brought him to yeah. England, raised him as a Christian male he was like you know you're our beautiful exotic prince and he had daughters here one of which was princess Sophia the leap Singh. and his life had been like he was eventually reunited with his mother and he was like you know it all dawned on him well they took the like they took the coin or diamond from him he literally handed everything over because he was five years old they oh kept him gosh. from his mother because they knew what that influence would be right it mm. was so tactical and gross and greedy and um so Sophia occupied these two spaces though because she was raised as this British aristocrat Mm. yeah and yet um had this like yearning this longing to reconnect with that part of her father that he hadn't been able to connect with and she went like she had to kind of skirt the government and um the monarchy to get to India and she became a suffragette here. And oh her, like, you know, in, you know, you were asking me, like, how do you feel about taking up this space and utilising this energy? I don't see it mm. as being any other way. Um, okay. For me, it's so tied in with my identity, being Sikhi, mm. being a brown woman, like being outspoken and speaking my truth. Like I couldn't have it any other way. And I really want the girls to see that modelled, like especially me returning. So the new job I've taken recently is to return to um, human rights law because I kind of gave this job some time and space because I knew for a working like mother, it would be more flexible. Hmm. It's like less pressure. It's more comfortable but I wasn't enjoying it as much. I miss mm, that dynamism. That's I miss, where your yeah. fire lies. Yeah. And so I'm not going to dampen my fire. And it's funny because as a woman, the way that your 
responded to in those circumstances where you're confronted by that kind of decision making about what you're going to prioritize yeah it was so funny how many people like well you know you are enjoying this and like your manager's really nice and like you you know do you want to maybe when the kids are a bit older whereas you know if my husband mm, was in this predicament he would have undoubtedly go for it mm, go for it yeah. like this is where your passion yeah. lies this is you know and, and there's no guilt surrounding any of that no. but of course this is the decision you make and thank yeah. god my husband isn't one of those people like immediately he was like you have to do this like it just is what you've wanted all along and this is your what you called your dream job yeah yeah oh, it's wow. just because yeah. it's in a firm that i really have followed like my entire career i've i really they're just so fearless and i love that mm-hmm. and genuine and consistent and it's that okay. kind of environment that i i feel like i can like really just do the most and that's all i'm mm. kind of looking to do Gosh, i think we're so lucky to have you um well <laughs> we'll see julia can you imagine if we have a chat next year of like traveling mess <laughs> Oh no, I love that. I love that story. I'm going to look up that book because that just feels oh, like. Oh, I reckon. I'm going to is... revisit it actually. It's incredible. It's so beautiful. I'm going to put that on my list. I also love that there's the kind of healing that you talk about in terms of education, in terms of the way that you raising your girls, that there's healing, you know, for you in that as well around ensuring that they have a different experience and a Massively. different life. And, yeah. and you find yourself, I think every parent does this because our education is so rooted in like this Victorian model of education and yeah. punishment. And no, you got that yes. wrong. No, let's sit, let's keep, let's try again. Let's try again. Mm. You find yourself as you're, especially with read it. Oh my God. Like trying to get a <laughs> fucking four or five year old to read. That's a real weak point. For it's me. horrendous. <laughs> and then at some point I find myself like gritting my teeth or just, <laughs> <laughs> because you just you read it over there it's the same word yeah that's I really had to step back with that yeah thank you so much for talking with me it has been an absolute pleasure I hope you enjoyed our conversation if you'd like to get in touch with Sandeep you can find her on Instagram at Punjabi MG I hope you have a wonderful week and I will chat to you next week take care bye Thank you so much for being here today. If you'd like to get in touch, I'm on Instagram at grounded underscore families. You can send me a DM or a voice note to my DMs or an email. I'd so love to hear from you. Please do like, share and subscribe this podcast. It really, really helps to get the podcast out in front of more listeners. And I'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye.